Lord, we want to go deeper places, God. Lord, we thank you, God, that we can feel your presence, that we can know your presence, that you're not a distant God. Lord, we have an expectation that we can draw near to you and you draw near to us. Lord, we have an expectation that you satisfy the longing soul and the hungry soul you fill with good things. Come on, somebody get an expectation for that this morning. That God is in the business of filling up hungry parts. Of bringing the lonely into families. Of bringing the hurting into healing. Of bringing the, the scared into peace. Lord, we have that expectation. That you, fill, you satisfy the longing soul. And the hungry soul you fill up with good things. Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just hang out in this atmosphere, if you will, just this atmosphere of expectation, because I believe that God wants to do something. How many of you guys believe that? Amen. You guys can grab a seat just right there where you're at. We're just going to continue right in. You know, if you're here the last couple weeks, and you're like, you know, I would kind of prefer, I don't know about this church, <laughs> I'd kind of prefer a more predictable experience, more of a tame experience. You know, I don't know if I feel comfortable with people just, you know, coming down at the altar and people getting healed and people, you know, praying. I don't know if I'm comfortable. I'd prefer a tame, more predictable experience. And I would just suggest to you that you probably want more of a tame, predictable God. And if you overvalue, listen to this, if you overvalue safety and predictability, then following Jesus may not be for you. Let, let me just say that again. If you overvalue safety and predictability, then maybe following Jesus isn't for you. And I, I don't mean that in an unloving way. I just mean that by just stating the facts. Because what if God is not tame and predictable? What, what if God doesn't fit into the limits of our imagination? What if God is bigger than we think he is? What, what if God is better than we think that he is? Maybe, maybe God isn't as tame or controllable or containable as we think that God is or how we would like him. What if God's all-knowing? What if God's all-present? What if God is all-powerful? What if God was actually God? And what if, what if this God called us into relationship with him? What kind of experience would that be like? Would it be a cold, distant experience? Or would it be an unbelievable, out of this world, I can't contain it, I can't contain the joy or the presence type of experience? I think it would be the latter. So I, if you want a tame, predictable experience, maybe check yourself at the door and ask what you really want. Because what if this God called us his kids? What if this all-powerful God gave us some of his authority? No, God isn't tame or predictable or containable. God is God. He's better than we think. He's bigger than we think. And, and what if this God wanted us to have more than just an intellectual encounter with him in our mind, 
but he wanted us to have an immersive encounter with us in our body, soul, and spirit. What, what would that be like? What if God doesn't want us to avoid the unpredictable and the unsafe, but to embrace it? Is anybody hungry for more of God? Okay, because I just set the stage for us to, to walk with a little bit of, of intentionality into it, okay? There's a story in Acts chapter 9 that we're going to kind of hover on, just hang out in, and it's Acts chapter 9, verse 10. It says, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. Now, how many of you guys know who Saul is? Saul was a religious, very religious person who was against the church and the Christians at that time. And he was killing them and overseeing all of that. And he didn't, Ananias didn't know, but Saul had had an encounter with God. But all Ananias knows is that Saul is out to kill people like him. That's what he knows. And he's, he's praying to me right now. I've shown him in a vision a man named Ananias. That'll come in importance later on. Coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again because he was blinded by this encounter with God. Ananias doesn't know that. But Lord, exclaims Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to make my message to the Gentiles and to kings and as well as the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias is just a guy minding his own business, just a disciple. His only quote unquote mistake in this situation is he got hungry for God somewhere. He got hungry for God to the point that God said, I can use that guy. He got hungry for God. And, and here's what I wanna talk about this morning. Last week I talked about a hunger for God leads to revival. Today I want you to get this in your spirit because if we're to continue to move forward with what God is doing in us as a church, we have to understand this next thing. And that's this, a hunger for God leads to risk. Whenever you start to get hungry for God, revival is a byproduct, but in order to walk in all that God has for us, we have to go into risky places. And if you value or overvalue the safe and predictability of life, of church, of whatever program you think needs to happen in your life or whatever, if you overvalue that, maybe following Jesus isn't for you. And, and I say that again in a loving way because too many of us can walk into a place like this. Well, let me just say, not a place like this anymore. <laughs> We can walk into a situation that we expect. Well, how come we didn't do this way or that way or what? Why isn't this? How can, I don't know what's going to happen. It's because God is God. And if we overvalue the safe and predictable, maybe following Jesus isn't for you. And I'm going to explain why. And it's a very simple concept, okay? It's a very simple concept. I'm going to explain why in this video. So let's watch this video real quick. 
So encountering God is an adventure. It's supposed to be an adventure anyway. Following Jesus is supposed to be an adventure. Being in the presence of God is supposed to be an adventure if you do it right. And here's the thing about adventure. If you think about adventure, adventure requires risk for it to really be an adventure. So a few weeks ago when I was in Montana, I went on some cool hikes. I went on some epic hikes. I went on a hike in grizzly country. And to do that, I had to go and buy some bear spray because they expected that you might encounter grizzly bears. And so I show up and I roll up on this trailhead and there's signs everywhere that says, beware of grizzlies, uh, don't hike alone, bring bear spray. So I had to go buy bear spray and it, it, you know, don't surprise a bear. Like if you're coming around a corner of brush, you could surprise a grizzly bear and then get eaten. So I didn't want to do any of that. Uh, so I had my bear spray and I start to walk on this hike. There's no one there. You know, I'm not supposed to be hiking alone, but there's no one there. And I just, I mean, for the, for the first like mile or two, I had my hand on the bear spray. I mean, I'm ready to go just in case. And, and I thought about turning back and I, I almost did turn back a couple times. And it, because I'm thinking, what do I know about Montana grizzly bears? I mean, I don't know anything. But there was something in me that just said, you know what, this is my opportunity to have an adventure and it's risky and that's why I did it and I continued to go. In fact, there's a lot of things that can happen to you uh, when you're out there in the wild. I mean, it's so easy to get lost and never be seen from again. In fact, let me take you back to Montana with me where, and I'll show you exactly how easy it is to get lost. Well, I'm, uh, Trying to find these lakes, but somehow I lost the trail and it's nowhere to be seen. I don't know where it went. So, I guess I'll stop and have some lunch on this nice little rock. Figure it out. Okay, I lost the trail. So I went back into the woods, went all the way down the steep embankment. All the way down, long ways, back into the woods, back to where it split a while back. Decided to take the Y in the road and go the other way. <coughs> way back, started making it this way, ended up right here. Uh, that's the rock I ate lunch at about 45 minutes ago. I took a picture right there. The trail is right here. So adventure requires risk. On another one of my hikes, I climbed, it was about 1800 feet in elevation in just a, a, a couple miles. And so let me just show you my lunch spot. Here it is. This is my lunch spot. That's risky, right? That's risky. So encountering God is an adventure. An adventure requires risk for it to really be an adventure. So if we're going to make the pieces connect here, then we'd have to conclude that encountering God is risky. It's risky in a lot of ways. It's risky like, will I have to change? Uh, what will God ask of me? Uh, what new things will I have to try? See, an encounter with God, being in the presence of God, is a really risky thing. 
You see, I, I didn't do those things. I didn't go hiking in grizzly country uh, because it was safe. I didn't go and dangle my legs off of a 2,000 foot cliff because it was safe. I did those things because it wasn't. And some of us are staying back from an encounter with God because we're trying to keep it safe. We need to jump in. The, see, a hunger for God will produce risk. The question is, are we going to run from the risk or are we going to embrace the risk and the adventure with God? Amen. So I, I'm telling you, an encounter with God, inherent in it is risk because an encounter with God is an adventure. A hunger for God leads to risk. One of the biggest reasons that keeps us, one of the biggest hindrances that keeps us from encountering God and keeps us from taking a risk with God is a fear of failure. Because so many of us have had a failure in our life at some point, whether it be in a relationship or seeking after God or something in our past. And the fear of failure keeps us because we think, well, what if this doesn't work? What, what if I seek after, what if I step out and pray for somebody and it falls flat? What if I take a risk and get out of my comfort zone and it doesn't work? And because of a fear of failure, we want to stay in the safety of the predictable, predictable life. In my case, you know, the fear of failure was getting eaten by a grizzly bear. <laughs> in Ananias' case, it was death. So, so what do you do? in that. In order for us, and listen to this, in order for us to do what God has called us to do, in order for us to do what God has called to, for us to do, our hunger for God has to be bigger than our fear of failure. Because the fear of failure will be there. The question is, will you be able to overcome it? The way you overcome your fear of failure is having a hunger for God that's bigger than your fear of failure. And that's what we've been talking about throughout this whole series. So this is a, the, the fear of failure is a powerful thing. We were in our real life group uh, this past Wednesday, which if you're not in one, you should get in one. It's, it's a good thing. And we were just sitting around having dinner. And before that, some of the guys were debating because we were talking about different uh, sports teams and different things like that. And, and we had some NBA fans. How many of you guys are NBA fans? Let's see you guys. Anybody? All right. Most of you guys are, how many of you guys are college basketball fans here? Okay. Some of you guys. Okay. Well, I've been a Lakers fan all my life. Hold the applause. Um, so we were debating, like, who is the greatest player of all time? And of course, the conversation goes to who, who's the greatest player of all time? Michael Jordan. Okay, would anybody in this room say that LeBron James is the greatest player of all time? Okay, if you do, you're lying, okay, because it's just not true. So let me just settle the debate right here in the house of the Lord right now. Um, so we were, we, we were all, yeah, okay, Michael Jordan, he's the greatest of all time. Why is he the greatest? We started counting up stats and started counting up rings, and we started trying to figure out who's the second greatest. And so LeBron James's name is thrown out. And of course, since being a Lakers fan, I'm throwing out Kobe, you know. And, and so we got into, a, a, you know, no small stir about that. And uh, just, it was a lot of fun. But we started to try to figure out, okay, who's, better, who's next and who's next. And we started having to count rings and wins and games because that is how you know who wins in sports and in the world. You look at what happened. You look at the results. You look at the outcome. I'm going to tell you something today that's going to set some people free. Because failure in the kingdom of God is different than failure in the world. 
Winning in the kingdom of God looks different than winning in the world. And to set this up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question. Did Jesus ever fail? Did Jesus ever fail? No, it's, it's really not a trick question, but it's gonna sound tricky here in just a moment because I'm gonna show you a place in scripture where it seems like Jesus failed to accomplish the mission. All right? So if anybody ought to be able to win anybody for Christ, wouldn't it be Jesus? <laughs> I mean, it, I'm gonna show you a situation where it seems like Jesus failed to win. Luke chapter 18, verse 18 says, a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one's good, but God alone. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And, and he said, I've kept all of these things for my youth. And when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. So here's Jesus sharing the gospel. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he become sad, said, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Now, we're not gonna get off on that to explain all of that, but I just want you to see that Jesus invited someone to follow him, to share the gospel. How many of you guys have ever tried to share the gospel before? Anybody? I hope a lot of people have tried to share their faith. And as he begins to share this, Jesus seemingly failed at sharing the gospel and the rich young ruler turned away. Jesus didn't win him for him. <laughs> he didn't win him for Christ. But let me ask you a question. Was Jesus 100% effective in this situation? Yeah, why was he effective? He did Because he did what he was supposed to do in the situation. He did what he saw the Father ask him to do. He did what he was supposed to do, and that was a win. So if I told you right now that you, I can tell you how to have 100% success in the kingdom of God, 100% success that you won't have to, this is how you have success. Would that be of interest? 100% success in, in uh, praying for people for healing? How many of you guys would be interested in that? 100% success in sharing the gospel? How many of you guys would be interested in that? I mean, I'm serious. Anybody interested in learning how to have 100% success? Here it is. 100% success is this. Obey. Whatever that is. Obey. Do exactly what Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, leads us to do. No more, no less. I could say it this way. Your success in the kingdom is not measured by how many people you win for the gospel or how many people get healed when you pray. Your success in the kingdom is by how obedient you have been to pray, share, and move when God says to move. Is anybody getting this this morning? You see, failure looks different in the kingdom. Winning looks different in the kingdom. Let me just put it this way. And some of you guys might have to take a picture of this or write this down or whatever. Here it is. Winning in the world is all about outcomes. Winning in the kingdom is all about obedience. And the problem is so many of us are trying to carry the responsibility for the outcome instead of carrying the responsibility of the obedience and leaving the outcome to God. 
Right now, some of you guys are in tough situations in your relationships and you're trying to carry, maybe it's with your kids, you're trying to carry the weight and responsibility of the outcome. That's not your job. You're not gonna be, that's not how you tally wins in the kingdom. You tally wins by your obedience and you leave the outcome to God. Some of you guys are looking at your life and you're looking at, at whatever and you're saying, man, I'm just failing. I'm not sharing the gospel. I'm not seeing people healed. I'm not seeing my family restored. But, and, and you're trying to focus on the outcome. The outcome's never been your part. That's God's part. The outcome for, or the win for you is to simply obey. I can say it this way. Our part is the obedience. God's part is the outcome. And for somebody this morning, that's setting you free in a deep place because you've been carrying the weight of a failed outcome instead of carrying the responsibility of simple obedience to God. And you you know what faith is? Faith is trusting God with the outcome. That's what faith is. I'll obey and I trust you with the outcome. And God many times just wants us to put ourselves in in a position for him to have glory in the outcome. We were uh, talking this week, had several situations come up and, and uh, one came up midweek and Pastor Aaron was, uh, had an opportunity to go and to uh, pray for some people. And so I asked him if he'd share what happened on video. So let's watch this. Well, hey, I just wanna tell you about something that happened last night at our real life group. Um, so this would have been Wednesday night. As I was preparing for real life group, uh, I got Um, contacted by Kevin, a guy here at Journey Church, and let me know that uh, his dad had gone into the hospital for a serious stroke. And so he was down at at St. Luke's downtown uh, in the ICU. And so he was asking if someone could come pray for his dad. And so I was trying to think of, okay, who could we get to do that? I've got real life group tonight. And it dawned on me, I've got real life group tonight. We get together, we share real life, and we demonstrate real life. And so we loaded up some of the guys from the group and we headed down to St. Luke's to pray for Kevin's dad. And uh, when we got there, we found out that his dad's pain level, in a, on a scale of one to 10, his pain level was a 15 is what he was saying. So that's a lot of pain. So we began to pray and pray. We prayed for about 20 minutes and we saw his pain level come down to a five. And so he said, my pain, le- my pain level is at a five now. And that's a dramatic decrease of pain. Also, some of the other things that were going on as a result of this stroke, there was swelling in his head. It was causing an intense amount of pain behind his right eye. And then um, his, the left side of his body was paralyzed. And so um, we've seen his, the pain in his right eye disappear. It's gone. And then we've seen the left side of his body is now beginning to have movement again. And so dramatic, awesome things happening with Kevin's dad. And then dude, the whole time that we were praying in the ICU, I'm sure we gave the nurses a lot to talk about because we were praying boldly and uh, just, you know, not being afraid to uh, just really pray for his dad and see something happen. And so um, at one point a nurse came in and kind of ran us out because there was a procedure they had to do and we had to leave the room. So we ended up in the waiting room, or actually it was in the hallway just outside the waiting room in ICU. And we began praying for other family members because it's like we're standing around waiting. Who else needs prayer, right? And so uh, one of the ladies there had an injury to her foot and she had a brace that went around her ankle and then around her foot. 
and um, she had pain in her foot. So one of the guys prayed for her and all of the pain left. She was completely and totally healed. She took the brace off and for the rest of the night was walking around just carrying the brace around with her. That was awesome. Another guy had a lot of pain in his back because of um, uh, something similar to like a rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, one of the other guys prayed for him and uh, that pain began to disappear and go away. And before we were completely through with that process, uh, their mother showed up, who would be the wife of the guy that was actually in the ICU. And um, when she came off of the elevator, Terry, who was with us, um, prayed for her for emotional healing. And to see what happened there was so dramatic and so powerful because uh, she, she obviously was in a state of anxiety and stress because of the situation and as we began to pray for her she just broke down and she said I just hear Jesus saying I'm with you I'm with you and uh, we even had to study her because she just was like I just feel the power of God and all of this was happening right in front of the elevators right in the doorway to the waiting room so as we were doing all this doctors and nurses were coming and going and uh, people in the waiting room had stopped what they were doing and were listening, kind of became an audience to all of this. And I say that to say, uh, don't be afraid to just be obedient, to just put yourself in a place where God can use you and create something wonderful in somebody else's life. And so as we just obeyed God and just put ourselves there and allowed him to speak through us and move through us, uh, he did some incredible things and created an incredible outcome. So I encourage you, do the same thing. Come on, can we give Jesus a big hand for that? That's powerful stuff. We just, Pastor Amber was just telling me a report that more good news. I mean, it's just a dramatic turnaround. All of the different stuff, the pain leaving, movement coming back. I mean, just, just one thing after the other, just a dramatic turnaround in that situation. And it's because Pastor Aaron wasn't responsible for the, for the outcome. He was just responsible to go. You know, boy, just responsible just to go, right? We just, we just, that's our part. It's just to obey. Our part is obedience. God's part is the outcome. Moses comes up on the Red Sea. You guys know Moses can't part a Red Sea, right? God, God parted the Red Sea. What was Moses' job? God says, hey, take your stick and point it out there so that you can like point it towards the sea. That was Moses' part. Do you see how simple it is to simply obey God? Do you realize that Moses, whether the sea parted or not, Moses was 100% success, 100% successful in that situation because he obeyed. That was his part. How many of you guys want to see more miracles happen like we just talked about? Marriages restored, blind eyes opened, the lame walk. How many of you guys would like to see that? Let me see hands again. All right, yes, yes. Here's the question. How many of us have prayed for a blind person recently? A lame person recently? A broken marriage, an unsaved person? We did right here a couple weeks ago, <laughs> right down here. But we've got to move it beyond the altar and move it into the streets. 
Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Let's, or, let's see the uh, end of this story. I don't think this is verse 1. I think it's I've messed up on my typo there. They got it up there? Yeah. Oh, 17. Okay, there we go. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid hands on him. That's the important part right there. So Ananias went and laid hands on Saul. That was what he was supposed to do. That was his job. Was it risky? Absolutely. Was it very simple? Absolutely. That was his part. Go, lay hands on him. And said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to you that you might regain your sight, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell, fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. He got up, was baptized, he ate some food, regained his strength. If you're stagnant right now in your hunger for God, let me just ask you this question. When was the last time you obeyed something that was risky? If you're like, Pastor Sean, the last few weeks you've been talking about a hunger for God and that's great and I just don't know if I've got, when was the last time that you did something that was out of your box, that was out of your comfort zone that God asked you to do? Let, let me just say it this way. Quit trying to secure results before you'll obey. See, we want to know the outcome is guaranteed before we'll put our obedience on the line. That's not how it works. Quit trying to secure the outcome before the obedience. No, it's, it works the other way around. A hunger for God leads us to risk. And some of you in this place right now, obeying God may mean that you're supposed to just do nothing right now. You're just supposed to wait on God. And that's your obedience. And that's very, is that risky? Yes, yeah, sometimes just waiting on God is very risky to us. It feels that way because we want to make something happen. But sometimes just waiting on God is our obedience and we just wait faithfully. For others of you, it may be moving out of your comfort zone spiritually into new territory with God, into deeper places with God. For some of us, we're fine with risk. I could go around this room and several of you would say, yeah, I risk in obedience in this area and this area. And for some of you, you're used to risk, but you need to risk in new areas. See, we all have our pocket areas that we're comfortable risking for God. For some of you, it may be that you're a giver. You're just a strong giver and you just feel like, man, I'm risking giving all the time. But when it, when it comes to being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you're like, hmm. For, for others of us, Man, we may be, maybe the other way around. We may be real comfortable praying for somebody for miracles and being super spiritual and all that's great. But when it comes to risking God with our finances, we, we just don't risk there. Because God, I'm already, I'm risking over here. We, we may need to risk in some new areas. Some of us are willing to risk our time and we will come and we will serve and we'll do whatever it takes and we'll risk our time. But we, won't, we just aren't willing to risk our reputation for God. Because I don't want people to think I'm this way or that way. But you'll come and you'll serve. And, and we may need to risk in new areas to see a breakthrough. Why, why do I say that? Because calling from God, when God, how do you guys believe that every single person here is called by God to do something? I believe that with all of my heart. God has a calling on your life. It doesn't mean it's a stage ministry. It doesn't mean, it, it, that's not important. The point is that God has a plan and a calling. How many of you guys, again, let's just acknowledge before God that we, we believe that. Yes, God, we believe that. Calling is there. Fulfillment of the call is optional. 
Just because God calls you does not mean it will automatically be done. Do you realize what it's dependent upon? It's dependent upon our obedience. Because if God's calling was automatically going to get fulfilled, whether we obeyed or not, then he would just do it. But we know that there are things left undone. And so Ananias, the reason he was on the planet, part of the reason at least, was to be a part of Paul's salvation story. In fact, we couldn't end up reading most of the New Testament had Ananias not went. Because Saul turns into Paul and writes most of the New Testament. It was optional though. God wouldn't make Ananias go. Even though he told him to, God wouldn't make him do that. Now I'm gonna wrap up with this because Ananias risked a lot, but I wanna show you how God risked a lot on Ananias. Do you realize that God has, God may be risking a lot on you right now. Let me just show you what I mean. Let's go back into story, Acts chapter nine. Let's go ahead and have the worship team come on back up. Acts chapter nine, verse 11. Watch carefully what happens here. Watch carefully. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Now watch this, verse 12. I have shown him in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. So before God comes to Ananias, God already appeared to Saul, to Paul, and told him, hey, a guy named Ananias is gonna to come to you. So get the timeline. God goes to Saul, a guy named Ananias is gonna to come to you. Here, just count on it. He's gonna come and he's gonna lay hands on you. He's gotta go over to Ananias. Hey, Ananias, um, I want you to go over to this guy named Saul because I've already told him that a, a dude named Ananias is gonna come. That kind of, you know that God risked a lot in that situation, didn't he? He already said that Ananias was going to come. And then he comes over to Ananias. That's, that's risky, right? So if Ananias didn't go, what would happen? I believe God would literally have to find another guy named Ananias. And I'm not kidding about that. I believe if this guy wouldn't go, he'd have to say, man, that's a unique name. Who else? is named Ananias, I'm going to have to go talk to them. Or think about it this way. I wonder if this Ananias wasn't the first Ananias. What if this Ananias is Ananias number two or three? And he already went to an Ananias, and Ananias is like, no, God, that's too risky. Have you ever wondered what God has already set in motion, that he's just waiting on you to follow through? What if he came, what if he specifically risked and betted on you already? It's like, I wonder what, what thing he's gone, and he comes over to Joseph, he's like, Joseph, hey, I've already got this guy. I told him a guy named Joseph was coming. Is it gonna be you or is it gonna be somebody else? You know, I, I've already, you know, Jake, I, God comes to Jake over there and says, hey, I've got a guy uh, that I really want you to lay hands on. He's gonna be in this grocery store right at this time. And I, I appeared to him and said that this guy named Jake, police officer named Jake was gonna come over there and lay hands on him. 
Have you guys ever thought about that? Because I'm telling you, what if God has set into motion so many things? So many people in this room and God is nudging us out of our comfort zone. So what I wanna do as we wrap up this, this morning is I just want us to pray a prayer that we just say, yes, Lord. And we just, we, we stop obsessing over outcomes and we start obeying the opportunities. So would you guys stand up with me as I just pray this prayer? And in fact, if, you, if there's something that resonates in your heart about this message today, many of you, here's what I know, I know well enough about a message like this that, that things are just firing off on the inside of so many people this morning that you already know, you already know. And the Holy Spirit is giving you another chance. He's saying, he's saying do I move on to another, do I move on to another Gary or, do, or is this the Gary? You know, do I move on to another one? And so this morning, if there's something that resonates then let's just let a, a prayer rise up in us that says, God, we want to go into deeper places, riskier places. We want to have a hunger for you that's greater than our fear of failure. Lord, we just come right now and just right now we just say that a, a yes is going to rise up on the inside of us. Lord, whenever you nudge us, we just say that it, our heart, our response, our default response in, in our spirit is cultivated to say yes every single time. Lord, we want to be used by you. We want to be, go into those places that aren't predictable and aren't safe. Not, we don't want to just, just keep our life in that predictable zone where, where we end up in boredom. But Lord, we want to follow after this adventure that you have for us. Lord, I dare say that you're going to put people into our path this week, even this day before we move on into the, the week. Lord, I believe there are going to be people in our path that are opportunities. And Lord, I pray for the courage and faith to rise up in every single person here to have the Holy Spirit guts to step out in obedience and to do what you've called us to do. Lord, give us that, that spiritual boldness on the inside to step out of our comfort zone and into your plans for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's worship one more time.